Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Adam Hawkins, and I'm here today with Tamarcus Raglan and Chelsea Conway. Today, we're going to be doing a little cultural roundup uh, to discuss some things that have been happening currently in our culture, to give an example of how Christians can dialogue about and with culture itself. So today, what that's going to look like is the very controversial topic of Dave Chappelle and his most recent special and all the backlash that's happened there. We'll weigh in there. Uh, We'll talk about Meta, Facebook's new endeavor. Um, And finally, we'll say a few words about Dune, which was a really good movie. Um, So let me, before we dive into it all, let me just first uh, let Tamarcus and Chelsea introduce themselves. We'll start ladies first, Chelsea Conway. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am the production and manager and content strategist at Citizens Church, and I work on Culture Matters with you guys. Chelsea is being very kind uh, and humble, but honestly, I have some of the most engaging conversations with her about every single topic, and I'm really excited that she agreed to sit down with us today. We had to pull her into the show. I don't know if she'll ever want to do it again, but I'm really thankful you joined. TBD. All right. Next is Tamarcus, who we hope is going to be a constant feature with us. He was super busy uh, teaching men's Bible study and running our young adults ministry, but some of those things have slowed down, so he finally agreed to make an appearance. Tamarcus, tell us more about who you are. Uh, Tamarcus, I am married, have two awesome kids who are under the age of two, so I never sleep, um, and I do the coffee thing. <laughs> because you don't sleep. Because I you don't make that's, a, that's a really good point. Uh, Tamarcus is incredible. He's been an educator. He's been in ministry. Uh, he's a awesome friend and probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. So uh, you guys will be blessed by these two individuals. And um, yeah, I'm excited for this conversation today. So let's start. Let's jump in first with the Dave Chappelle special, guys. Uh, there is a lot we could talk about here, um, but let's just address maybe kind of what's going on. Dave has done a series of specials on Netflix, and there is a ton of noise, especially happening with the last one, because it's the most recently released. Marcus, what do you think? Why is there so much noise about about this latest special, do you think? Um, I think, one, is he's been, it's kind of been a ratcheting up of there being noise from all of his previous specials. right. And he, uh, in this one, I mean, he self-proclaimed, says, like, I'm going to put an end to all of the noise in this one and kind of proceeds to just ratchet up the <laughs> yeah. the noise even more. He uh, didn't deliver on that promise. It yeah, didn't, that, yeah, didn't deliver too much. And so, um, yeah, a lot of it, I think, comes with the, I think it's the, the nature of his genre. Um, I think one of the conversations we were kind of having before uh, me and Chelsea was, uh, he he's obviously thoughtful, but given the way he, yeah, like I said, given his median, he's going to deliver a certain way. And so one might ask, you know, is his, does his median um, allow him to be able to delve into the ideas that he's doing in the most equitable way? Uh, mm-hmm. and I mean, you can have that conversation, but I just think from a general audience point of view, you know, some would say no. Yeah, it's just offensive, and others are saying like, "No, I think it's still thoughtful, and you can discuss it." And so, right? I mean, like a lot of the content, anyways, is well, at least the content of the conflict, if that's even the right way to put it. Um, what maybe the noise is? He says a lot about the LGBTQA plus community, and uh, specifically, I think what people are talking about is his comments around the trans community, yeah. transgender mm-hmm. community. And um, I mean, there's a lot more there, right? And some of his other specials maybe focus less on that and kind of go into some other things. But certainly, in his latest, the closer, uh, that seems to be what some of the noise is about. Any other any any other uh, uh, comments about where where you think that controversy is coming from? I mean, I think the interesting thing, he says it in the very beginning. He's like, hey, you guys are kind of mad at me for saying things about trans community um, that I've said on previous specials, but um, 
I, he just seems really unapologetic. And yeah. I think, I think to Marcus, to your point about the medium of comedy, it's like, well, what is the question here? Like, is the question that you can't address anything? Cause it seems like a lot of comedians are just talking about, uh, things that they're observing in the world and they're doing it in a funny way. And, you know, does that medium allow for you to like poke and prod and find holes in things? But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he does it in an incredibly offensive way, but he kind of offends everybody. Right. Yeah. I think there's something really interesting about comedy in general. And I, the, before we jump into the, actually the content of it, you guys have both made points now talking about the medium of comedy to Marcus is talking about. You're talking about what are what's comedy allowed to do. Right. And I this is a personal opinion. I think maybe the only credible from the inside of comedy, I think they would say perhaps the only credible critique could be either that was funny or it wasn't funny. There is no, mm. the the litmus test of morality or the litmus test of, of like, are you saying the right or wrong things? Like a comedian, and I'm trying to be like as generous to people who I've known who talk about the craft. Com- comedy is about jokes and there's a special place comedy plays in our society which is in some ways uh, go back to the fool in medieval cultures. Uh, the fool was actually there to, in some ways, in the court, right? So in this kingly court, you have all these people, and I'm sure comedy goes back further than this, and the idea of comedian goes back further than this, but uh, just from what I know anyways, you have this court, and it's very serious, and things that are happening in it are very serious and even sacred or reverent, and you know, um, there's judgment being passed, and there's this kind of, the, mm-hmm. the wheels of society are turning, mm-hmm. and you have this fool who's there to almost relieve some of the pressure, yeah. and their role um, is not only to poke fun at themselves, but oftentimes they're the only ones who are allowed to poke fun at the king themselves mm-hmm. and anybody, right? So it's this idea of... And then later you see, even in literature, you see humor often used, especially satire, used mm-hmm. to talk about things that are going on in society that you'd never be able to say in oppressive regimes. So it's some of the first expressions of free speech. If you look at um, the satire of Jonathan Swift, who writes, he was famous for writing the um, whole, uh, oh gosh, Is I can't the, remember. The Rape of the Lock? Not not that one, but yes, that is that's the one I'm talking about now. But he's very famous for the one where the uh, the Lilliputians and all that, or I think they're called, mm. where it's like the guy, uh, Gulliver's Travels, mm. and he has this oh, satire. That's like a whole satire of some political thing, right? Right. And then you had a whole, you had an entire satire where he's talking about the king, or he's talking about what's going on with like I think famine and things like that, and he's arguing to eat babies, right? And it's mm-hmm. this really outlandish, crazy thing in like the 1800s or before. Um, but his whole point was he was able to actually make those critiques because he used humor mm-hmm. and he changed names and used different language. Mm-hmm. It, but everyone knew what he was actually doing. He was speaking truth to power in mm-hmm. a sense. And so I think whenever we – this is a really long-winded point. I'm sorry, guys. But whenever whenever we start looking at comedians, I get nervous when society starts looking at comedians and starts to say to them, you can or you can't say that. Because for so long, what comedy held was kind of this last bastion of free speech. It was the way to poke fun is irreverent. And there's something we as Christians need to say about that. God calls us to be serious people, sober-minded. So there's a sense in which comedy itself could be at odds with the gospel, although God did create humor. Um, But I think one thing I would say is just from kind of a general standpoint, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Like, As soon as society starts saying, we're not allowed to laugh at that anymore, um, I I get nervous. I get a little nervous, you know? Well, I think... To your point, uh, in some ways, a lot of this tension even points to the reason why he stepped away from the Chappelle show, right? Like it was uh, when he was predominantly poking at his own community in a way to, like you say, to be able to speak to some of these broader issues. um, It was, I mean, it was fine, right? And then it's like the moment the, the conversation becomes more full circle, which to me, like I say, when I... When I listen to it, like I can, I see the the tension, and then there's another part of me that maybe was able to listen to, like, okay, what what kind of point is he trying to to make? There is a no, there was no one audience that was like 
the target, whereas maybe in a time where in our culture it's been so uh, complicated to talk about race or gender or sexuality or all of these things, um, he's actually able, I mean, even the relationships that he cites in the piece, he's like, right, I have this, you know, black friend who's also a feminist. And then there's this feminist who also happens to be right. And he's just showing how like a lot of our views and ideas cross. And then a lot of times we like they they contradict or we're not even able to see how holding one view and saying like, I want to support this simultaneously is uh, conflicting. I think he makes the point about um, his uh, the the feminist friend who just, he was like, I could see how you could be offended that a man who becomes a woman and in the same year becomes the woman of the year. It's just like, oh, like the man who's already like in power and has all of the authority now can like step into this realm and then take all the power there. And it's just like, uh, he, like you say, he does it in a comedic way, but then also there's a way in which like, oh, like there is like a, that's a that's a conversation worth having. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's something that when he starts to have this more like rounded conversation, uh, it's, it's, it's immediately shut down. Whereas before, like he, he kind of felt that, that tension, I think even with the, the Chappelle show where it was like, okay, is it, is it, he was kind of asking a question like, is it, is it laughing with me or laughing at me? Mm. Um, and now, now it's kind of like his audience is asking that question. It's a weird inverse. Yeah, it's really good. Do you think, so meshing both of y'all's ideas, do you think the problem is, um, he's not poking holes in an issue, he's poking holes at people? Like, this, there, there's an, a, an element of like, um, there's like a real humanity that is feeling hurt. This and is, what does is, that mean? Yeah, Chelsea, this is a really great point because I do think we need to be able to critique art forms. So I, I just said, don't don't critique comedy. But I, th- I think a better way to say it is we can all look at art, right? Let's, you can take, uh, let's take artistic movements. And there are certain types of art that I'm just, um, that I think even from a Christian perspective, I, I'm not saying they should be outlawed, but I would say they're beneath us as Christians. One form I would call Dadaism is one form Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea is this, right? It's like Dada is basically, um, here's one example. It was like anything hung in a museum is art. And so a guy hangs a toilet up and he's like, is this art? And he's like making a challenge. Well, maybe that first statement is saying something, but then it just became about being absurd and who could top the absurdity. And, you know, yeah, there's this question of what is art going on, but uh, underneath it all. But I think for a Christian, we, we're not absurdists. We believe in an order to the world. We believe in speaking and saying things beautiful because God is a God of beauty. And so if you want to put expressionist painting up versus Dada, is satire, I would say that the higher form of art would be the Mm. expressionist painting. To your point, Chelsea, Mm. I do think there's a difference between satire that is speaking truth to power and just making fun of people, right? And I think as Christians, we actually have to be against the latter. I I do not think that cutting people down is a Christian thing. It's not. Chopping the legs out from underneath vulnerable people, that's not a good thing. And we shouldn't look at that and applaud. So the real question, I think, to your point, Chelsea, that we have to be asking of this show as Christians is, what is he doing? Is he Mm -hmm. making fun of people? Or is he pointing out this weird flaw in the in our thinking right now in the culture's thinking right? Mm-hmm. right and some people in my opinion are either not actually watching the special and saying he's making fun of people and uh some people maybe are watching the special and feel he's making fun of people when i and this is this is the great thing about art is it's open to interpretation but in my opinion Dave is actually Dave, first name basis with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> In my opinion, Dave Chappelle is not doing what you just said. I don't think he's actually making fun of people. When Dave, here's, I mean, he pulls it back like into a very real element of here's a one-on-one relationship that I can tell you about. Right. And point two. Right. And uh, Daphne. Right? Yes. It was Daphne. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And that was and that was like I was telling to Marcus earlier. It was like that. That was like a real heartfelt piece, which I almost didn't expect. Right. I'm not used to watching Dave Chappelle comedian specials. And uh it yeah, I I felt like that was really heartfelt and I felt it was um 
it made up for a lot of the things that I did feel were maybe crossing a line. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know. It, can you have both? I mean, you probably can. It's It just depends. I think it is hard. I think you're pointing out a really good tension because, like, here's something that's really interesting. So one of the biggest things Dave Chappelle caught uh, flack for in this special, for those of you who have not watched it, is he made this comment. He said, he says more than this, but this is, in my mind, the non-offensive part. He says, every single person in this room, if you're a human being, right, yes, uh, has passed through the legs of a woman. That's what he said. And people were outraged that he said that that is and it was what the the trans community right and who is that i'm not whatever Mm -hmm. online social media people whoever that is was were saying that's hate speech actually Hmm. that to say that on that people can only be born of a woman is anti-trans and that people are killing themselves because of conversation like that and what i my reaction to that personally is We've lost our minds as a society when you can't state fact. With facts, you can argue back and forth about Mm -hmm. what a fact is. But to say a fact, this can is a color. You know, the the can that's in front of me, I'm drinking water. This can in front of me has orange on it. That's a fact. Men are all human beings are born of women. That's a factual statement. And you can argue about it, but to say that that's so offensive. This can is yellow. is so offensive. This can is orange. is so offensive. People are born by women. They pass through the legs of women. Mm. Say it's so offensive that people are killing themselves. It's like, I think we've started to lose our minds, you know? Mm. And to be fair to the other side, their point is um, that they would say you have to redefine. So I wrote a paper on it. It's like you have to actually redefine uh, our society no longer thinks man is sex and woman is sex they think man and woman are gender roles, right? And so men can actually have babies or something. But again, I, um, you know, I, I, I think that's a point that should be able to be debated. That it shouldn't be able to just simply be stated as in a cultural context, in a, like yeah, in a yeah. in a public place, like right? In a, a public comedic, sphere, a right, right? 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 Something, a right. show, a TV show. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I mean, am I am I wrong? Am I am I pushing? Am I missing a piece? Like no, I think it should be able to be a conversation. I I think what is probably hard about again to circle back to being a comedic special is like he is the man with the mic, so he gets to say whatever he wants, right? And mm-hmm. so um, I'm I'm sure there is an element of um, and if this had happened. 30 years ago and the internet didn't exist. So you could get on Twitter and right, rattle right. them out. Uh, and so there's that element of it's not a conversation because, you know, and I think that's why the end is so poignant yeah. is that he is telling you about real conversations he had with real people. Right. Um, and if you're on the trans side, you can take that as, okay, maybe you might have different opinions from me, but you treat people like humans and I can respect that. Or you can say, I'm still mad at you for saying all the things that you said. And then from a Christian side, you can look at it and go, this is ammo for everything I am scared about. Or you can look at it and go, well, that's not the approach that I should take if I'm meeting people like this and talking to them and having conversations with them because they're human beings. What's interesting is, um, and maybe maybe we land the plane here on this, on this piece, but what's interesting is um, culture... The, the culture out there right now, right? Secular culture, or maybe just to say online social media culture is probably the best place, right? Because there's so many cultures out there. But online social media culture anyways is this place that is built on um, a weird orthodoxy where you are either uh, uh, someone who's the enemy who needs to be canceled or you're somebody who says all the right things and you're allowed to exist there. Yeah. What's interesting about that is nobody really flourishes in that kind of space. Mm-hmm. When the when the threat is always fall in line or you'll be canceled, or um, say the right things and you'll be tolerated. If that's the best thing that can happen, I don't know why it's worth being a part of that culture. And I think 
here's the beautiful thing that I'll say. The difference with Christian culture, and Mike M., a person on staff with us, says this all the time, Christian community and, and culture is a place where you are neither canceled nor coddled. And mm. that is fertile soil for growth, right? That's great. So here's what's great is I want to be in a community that's safe. I do. I, I, look, you can poke fun at me a little bit and that's fine, but I, I can't handle that every day, right? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to exist in the world of only comedians, guys. You know, what I do want to exist in though is a world where I'm not going to be canceled if I say the wrong thing. And that's a community of grace, but I'm also not going to be allowed to just say stagnant. So somebody can speak the truth to me and say, Hey, let's go somewhere together. Let's grow together. I can speak truth to you. I can say hard things to you. Right. So we're neither canceled nor coddled. And that's the kind of environment that Christians want to create. And, um, yeah, I think maybe we're in a, that culture right now that I described earlier, that online culture. Uh, I think it does need to be deconstructed, and I think it deserves some derision. And as long as our comedy is being pointed at, to Chelsea's point, is being pointed at that culture and not those people, I think we got to be careful, but I think that's okay. What's our responsibility responsibility as Christians to the trans community? How should we be speaking to them? Right? I mean, I think that's kind of what you just said is right. it's like, uh, you know, you're at the grocery store or whatever, you start up a conversation with some guy and somehow this Chappelle thing comes up and it's like your place to speak into that is to go, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's kind of divided. It's divisive that there's a canceling, but there's a, also some things that he says that maybe shouldn't be canceled. But, uh, you know, let me tell you about this God thing and this Christian thing, because <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. the alternative is the Christian church should be the safe place right. for anybody. Right. You know, it's the safe place for the sinner and safe place for everybody. So, yeah. It's like, how do you just respond from a Christian standpoint to anyone that you meet? Right. It's important to like pay attention to what's going on in the culture, which is what you guys, we're always talking about this on this podcast, is, you know, it's good to know these things. It's good to be aware of what's happening. And then it's good to know that we offer something else. Right. But we see, to your point right now, we see the person in front of us. Yes. That's our. Yeah. That's what we do. We see the person in front of us, and we meet them with love, just like Jesus would. He would meet them where they are mm-hmm. and, and invite them into a kingdom that's greater than they could imagine. All right, so something that happened uh, a week or two ago that was kind of strange is that Facebook announced that it's changing its name to Meta. I don't think Facebook, like the social media platform, like the thing you log on to will change its name, but the company, Facebook... Company is changing its name to Meta, and along with that is the launch of this new platform. Um, Chelsea, you want to tell us what that is? I mean, I don't know if I really fully understand yeah, what's happening either. as yeah. far as Facebook goes. I know that they have basically given a plan in like the next 10, 20 years to create a whole metaverse, which I, if if my understanding is correct, people have been talking about for ever yes since the dawn of the internet yes all 40 years ago yeah uh, right <laughs> yeah, it seems like to me like it's like every this, sci-fi movie you can right imagine. right right exactly it seems to me like avatar it's, is coming guys yeah, it's real that's it. it's real you know? avatar is real you can plug yourself in the matrix Basically, is real the matrix mm-hmm. is real uh ready player one all of those yep. it's like that's hey, a good one ready player one is a really good example so it seems like what they're trying to do is create this vr which virtual reality, AR, augmented reality world, where you'll either be totally immersed in this fake universe, it's like the internet made visual, mm-hmm. or like you could even do the augmented reality, which would be like you put on a pair of glasses, and as you're walking around the world, those glasses also have digital information in them. So when you look at your supermarket, you know, in your heads-up display on your glasses, you, you'll see an advertisement or something goofy or something mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know all of how it works, but I think the big piece is that mm-hmm. that virtual world you will be fully immersed in. And I think that has think the technology included has things like haptic suits, which means you can wear a suit to actually feel what's going on in the world to a degree. Uh, the, it won't look... You know, right now it probably looks a little cartoonish, but the I think the hope is that it would almost be indistinguishable one day, that the visuals would almost be indistinguishable from real world. So it would basically allow you to live in a digital world. That's that's my understanding. Is that y'all's understanding of what it is? Yeah, I get like mm-hmm. Wally. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
again, every movie we've ever watched right. has led to this moment. Exactly. Um, so what's the danger with this? I mean, as a Christian, I, I don't know about you. I have not met a single person yet who has seen some of that pitch that he did. First of all, it was mercilessly made fun of on the internet because they <laughs> yeah. said really funny Twitter words. They like, yeah, they like repeated words over and over again. Actually, it's worth trying to look that up because it is really funny. But I don't know a single person who saw some of that pitch or an iteration of it and was like, oh, this is awesome. I think everyone I've talked to, and maybe it, and I'm talking Christian or not, saw that and was like, ew, a little bit like, or at least like, uh, this might be a bad idea. So yeah, like what, as a Christian, what is the danger of just plugging into a virtual world and being, you know, the avatar that you hope to be? Yeah, I... All of my red flags are just like, <laughs> just like taking off. I don't know if I've been reading too much, like minimalist, just stay up. But I'm like, yeah, all of the conversations and like dialogues I've been in, like you say, both um, Christian and secular is um, people trying to f- figure out how do I step away? A hundred percent. And so mm-hmm. like, I feel like this is just a few, like it's a few years too late of being able to like be a thing like I remember being in high school playing a little games where you make an avatar and you're like in the world right people making up their own thing but I'm like I feel like uh this is this is landing at a time where it's like man it's pretty uh it's pretty yeah it feels like it's pretty like deaf to like where it feels like a lot of people are trying to move to like man I I feel like I'm already having enough going on with my phone and like you know you get documentaries like the mm-hmm. social dilemma and yeah hundred percent yeah, so it's I'm tone deaf completely. Yeah, it just feels like they missed. Hey, look what we're doing. We're yeah. gonna make you like stuck in the internet, and <laughs> yeah. people are like, "Well, I mean, you're coming out of 2022, where it's like, hey, Precisely. look what happened. We were all stuck at home, and nobody had actual real human connection, right? And we were all online and reading Twitter, and look how much destruction we had. Like it was the best year of our lives. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was so super great. strange. Like I, it almost reminded me of like when we've had this opioid pa- epidemic, you know, and all this and like, you know, Oxycontin's being pulled off the shelves and having mm. to pay a billion dollars. And it's almost if the company's come out and been like, we have an even more addictive opiate <laughs> that we can prescribe you. That's what it feels like. It's so tone deaf. And, you know, um, I do wonder this. I wonder, though, if they read the tea leaves because think I, I, I was thinking about this and I just want to get y'all's thoughts, but here's what happened during the pandemic. We actually saw how adaptable people are. Mm-hmm. When it first started, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember. Um, I remember like when they first said, it's like, hey, we're going to close down for two weeks. And mm-hmm. people were like, oh, okay, maybe, yeah, okay. But a lot of people were, even then were like, no way. People can't stay inside for two weeks. Mm. And then it was like, you know what? It's going to be a month. And everybody thought, man, if this thing went three months, people would mutiny. They would riot. And mm. actually what happened is now there's like pretty much, there's a lot of places in our country still that are fairly shut down. And people are just kind of like, okay, with never really going back to work with their kids never really being in school. Yes, it's a problem. Don't get me wrong, but there's a right. sizable portion of our of our population. Normal. Yeah, that are like, yeah, I mean, I guess my kids never have to go back to school and I guess I never really will go back to work and we'll just kind of do this from now on. And I I wonder if Facebook was like, wow, people are super adaptable and actually the younger generation, we can just keep them plugged in all the time. Here's an opportunity, metaverse. Absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, and, and I was going to say, I think, uh, to be fair, I think there is a sense in which I've experienced this in my own life where there's a there's a number of ways of even as I try to unplug, what I realize is the, the more, the further we get down the kind of technological road, there's a threshold where even as you dial back, um, there's a point in which like, Oh, but like I can only go so far back on my phone because I control the alarm system in my house on my phone. Right. And Mm -hmm. the way I access my bank is on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, all of these different things where it's you're forced. You actually get forced into it. And I mean, there's there's ways in which I, I wonder how they could capitalize where it becomes a thing where I mean, yeah, you could choose to opt out, but you know, just like all the other things, you know, there's this FOMO that you'll have of this fuller experience. For having not tapped into it, um, and that tends to be the the perpetual draw, you know, in a lot of things like that. I just have to say, I think I plagiarized that whole question from another podcast I watched. So, listeners, just know I can't remember which one, but yeah, it you, you your answer idea. was really great. But yeah. I just want you to know that idea wasn't my own. So, 
Want to be careful, don't want to be canceled. So. Is any idea our own? That's a good question. Good question. Um, if it's in the metaverse, it's free game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so the whole thing here is, I mean, we're ultimately talking about escapism, right? right. So there's like video games are already there. Right. And they're yes. already becoming immersive and they're becoming like realistic. And right. Now you're on Twitch and you're yes. you're talking to real people. Yeah. There is interaction in a weird, like separated way. But to me, I'm like, this is probably already a thing. There's probably already some building in Japan, like in Tokyo, that is doing this. Right. Right. I mean, for all I know. <laughs> right. Because that if it's gonna happen first, it's gonna happen somewhere in Tokyo, right? And so to me, I'm like, this is happening. Uh, what do I think about it. I think it sounds hellish. Yeah. And I think it sounds terrible. But um, at the same time, my question is, okay, why is somebody wanting to be on the in the metaverse versus the real world? Well, you think about the freedom, the freedom you could get there. I can see the appeal with, think about like the, the movement with like influencers. I was talking with one of my mentees. I was like, man, when YouTube first was a thing for me, it was like, you were just like posting stuff with your friends and like maybe somebody just so happened to like go viral and it was like, oh, like that was really sure. funny. And it's like today, like people set out like as a career, like I am like an I'm influential monetized. person mm -hmm. who will post and go viral. Mm -hmm. um, and even now, like there is a, I mean, some people there's, there's not a, a shame element there, but it's like, there's a, a kind of like your, your real person kind of profile is, put on display and mm. whatever you're pushing. Mm. Um, with this, it feels like a way in which I can create whatever kind of narrative about mm. myself as an influencer that I think would be appealing without actually having to put at risk who I actually am. Mm. Mm. And if it's as real as that I... It could be appealing. As yeah. it is, yeah. Like, I can just make up a whole, this whole other... Per it's like catfish gone wild and make a whole livelihood out of it and no one ever knows that that's actually... Who I am. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of related to what we're talking about with Chappelle, where it's like there's this whole identity crisis happening. Right. It has been happening, but it's almost to such a crazy degree with the internet and the way, you know, knowledge and everything is traveling so quickly. Information is traveling fast. So it's like uh, if we're questioning our identities already, but now somebody is saying, well, you can come over here. Come, come. The water's fine. Come join us and you can be in this group and be whoever you want. And that is appealing for probably more people than we want to say. You know what I mean? I totally agree. I actually think we actually we can't just go uh, – and some of this is going to be generational. Look, mm -hmm. like there's a – we, none of us here at this table are Gen Z, that the next generation, where it's like, look, we grew up with some um, – screens and some things like that we were more millennials i'm on the edge of the millennial mm, generation mm. but we grew up we grew up in a world before we had a cell phone right we grew up in a world before like yeah, the I internet was actually that interesting you know i remember when did you guys get phones i got one in college me too college was for college. me eighth grade yeah okay good okay, okay. okay you're a little younger than us you're but really still there was a world that you remembered before Four. having a lot of phones you True. know there's a world you remember where you got on your bike and you rode down the street and you mm -hmm. knocked on your friend's door uh there's a world you remember where like the best thing on the internet was aim online you know really you had solitaire yeah. dominoes <laughs> yeah, exactly snake yes that's about it yes. but our our kids and especially their kids are going to be growing. And this actually just this generation right behind us, the teenagers now. They're they, already doing it. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah. They grew up in a world where screens were immersive internet experiences, social media experiences. It, that's from day one. That's just the air they breathe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're like, I need real human interaction and, mm -hmm. you know, et cetera. And like, no offense to like esports people or whatever, but it's like that for me, like the mm -hmm. idea of esports, it's like, oh, wait, I, I just play a video game. Now that's like a lucrative career, right? Like, yeah, once you monetize, I think the other thing too with this is like, this will get monetized. And that's why Absolutely. Facebook wants to do it. Right. Absolutely. And once it's monetized, then everyone's on it. Like people who want to make money, I mean, everyone's on it. You've already got digital currency. Right. And now you make a digital world where digital currency can reign. And it's like, you're, we're about to see the marriage of all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. And all I would say, is I think the Christian response. To, so yeah, we're grossed out by it, but I think there's a whole generation that will find this appealing. And maybe at first it's just a place where you go and do some entertainment things and there's some monetized stuff and obviously there'll be a CD element to it. We can all foresee that. But but I think over time, 
what if that's how you go to work? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, think of pandemic. What if that's how you go to school? school. Yeah. You know? I mean, so uh, anyways, all I'm trying to say is I think it will be appealing to some. And what I would say is I think Christians are actually, and Chelsea and I have talked about this before and a lot, and it's something I think about a lot. I think Christians who offer real, authentic community, like a community that is robust, that uh, invites you in, that um, is not afraid to to give a hug and sit next to you and shed tears and live a life and do it really authentically with touch, etc., where we uh, express really clear vision about the human body mm-hmm. and learning how to love each other and love our differences and all these kind of things, because this place is going to be the narcissistic version of us. It's going to be me with six-pack abs that I've always wanted, right? You know, like that's what this place is going to be for most people. It's going right. to be superficial. So like as Christians, we're going to have to sh- we're going to have to define beauty the way God does. We're going to have to have a real vision for what beauty is and a real vision for what friendship is and a real vision for what yeah. embodied community is. And I actually think I'm not a sociologist, but I'm just predicting it's like just like the West, it's like What's going to happen is whoever's doing this are just going to die off. I mean, the people who are going to get together and have real children and everything, you know, they're not going to be spending all their time in the metaverse. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think this is probably the fall of Western society, if I'm really honest with you. like, Well, I mean, we're already diminishing. We're already there. Having babies. Yeah. 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 I'm just thinking in terms of virtues, like integrity. Oh, man. Like to be able Mm. to meet somebody in this, whatever that Mm -hmm. space becomes. And to find the same thing outside of it, I mm-hmm. think is going to just, uh, yeah, integrity is going to have a whole another level of meaning with That's people. Really good. And it matters who you are. Yeah. Like it, I think here, like, right, like I can see somebody saying on here, even though my avatar isn't really what I look like, it's who I really am. Mm-hmm. And you can see who, you know, and like, this is who I actually want to portray myself to be. And now you know the real me and all this kind of stuff. And I think if, how can you divorce and divide, how can you be that divided of a person that who you are as an embodied human being is not mm. actually who you are? And we have to nuance that and be careful about that. Yeah. But I think there's actually something really beautiful about learning to love yourself the way you've been made with all your flaws and imperfections and everything else. Um, Like I want to love myself that way. I do, man. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's seeing me how Christ sees me, you know, and some polished, you know, meta avatar. That's not what God created. God didn't create that. He loves the me that's flesh and blood and scabbed and has too many moles and stuff. You know, (laughs) your avatar's not getting resurrected in a second. That's it, dude. Um, well, last piece then, guys, uh, that I think um, we are all going to be really thankful that we get to is Dune. Dune is a phenomenon right now. It is maybe like the, it's hard to say, but after the pandemic, maybe like the first blockbuster movie event. Um, there might not, might be a couple more before this, but this is one that people have been looking forward to for a long time. So it's a cultural event. Uh, there's a lot of conversation happening around it because Dune is a, it, as a concept, as a novel, as a history, it's a thick thing, right? It's not, yeah. uh, it's it's got history to it, et cetera. So um, yeah. I think it's doing what Tenet was supposed to do, right? Which is make like the number one thing I've heard of everybody watching it, which I myself watched it on HBO Max, yeah, mm-hmm. and feel like I missed some of it, right? And everyone who told me to watch was like, no, you got to watch it in the theater, yeah. Um, I I did the same thing you did, and um, I thought to myself, I'm still going to go to the theater to see it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I saw it in the theater, and it's incredible. (laughs) It's incredible. So Chelsea's better than us both. Well, tell so give us, Tamarcus, just give us this little bit of background on Dune. What is is Dune? So Dune is based on this novel that was written in 65 by a guy named uh, Frank Herbert. And uh, I guess, you know, we read some articles before. He actually was setting out to... Um, write a, a article. Um, yeah, he was like interested in. Um, well, what did it say? You read it. Read, read the quote, Chels. No, I gotta find it. Okay, this was an uh, this was an article by Elizabeth Bachman. Um, but her opening statement, I thought, was a good summary. We'll uh, put it in the show notes for you guys. Yeah, in 1959, a former Catholic with a fondness for psychedelic mushrooms, Zen Buddhism, and Arab culture entered the Oregon Dunes, intending to write an ecological research article. Frank Herbert emerged months later with the most beloved and influential 
science fiction novel of all time, Dune. Mic drop. Mic drop. I mean, I think, honestly, just that alone captures probably a lot of what it's about. Absolutely. In its most current iteration, though, it's, what is it? Yeah, so it's uh, a movie directed by Denis Villeneuve. Very good. You um, did a very good job. We struggled with that name. My, yeah. practicing my French. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and has a star-studded cast. And uh, essentially, I mean, he did a great job. He doesn't make his way through the whole book. Um, it's like in, the first half or something? Yeah, it's ish. the first half-ish, yeah. uh, which I think he... There's been like some some who think that's a great idea, some who think that's a bad idea. I'm I was who honestly think very surprised great. how many people attacked that. Like really? that the conversation was around. I didn't know the movie ended halfway, and I was exp- and I was like, but it says part one. Yeah, in the title slide. Yeah, it does. It's fine. Well, and my favorite thing about a movie like this is, like, I felt like he elevated it into like the epic landscape. Like, if this is gonna be an ongoing big massive thing like mm-hmm. i love that the the enemy of the right in the whole thing like i don't know if, spoilers if you haven't seen it yet <laughs> but it's just like he's not defeated right away right it's just kind of left hang like there's this tension of like oh he's just still out there yeah and these people are still over here i just i think he did a good job of setting it up and, and so, mm-hmm. i would say this because i saw the david lynch film that was made in the 80s i think yeah. Uh, yeah and it's you know that movie has a lot of detractors especially those who really loved the book yeah. uh and then it has a cult following a love people uh, amongst people who love lynch who's insane <laughs> didn't <laughs> he, just, he disown it though he was like i'm I not proud he, of this yeah i think later he disowned it but that is a weird movie. Yes. <laughs> it's real strange. And also, and he, I mean, he does what Denis yeah. doesn't do. Right. He like rewrites. He took liberties. In, into a two hour right. movie. Right. Yes. Where, where everybody was like, well, you can't redo these books because the books are so expansive. Right. And there's so much to them. There's like six books. Right. If I remember right. And yeah. they're all huge. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, everyone has said that you can't do Frank Herbert's books without doing like some sort of TV show, which means it would probably suck. Yeah. And Denis was like, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to take my time. Yeah. It's going to be a long movie. And I don't know. I think he did a really good job with that aspect of it. I agree. Yes. I mean, circling back to our conversation about art forms, like I feel like when you, a lot of times what doesn't translate well from a book to the screen Mm-hmm. is what an author is able to do with like a length of words to produce a feeling in you when someone tries to either they take away, like you say, like he scratches and rewrites a bunch of things and creates a whole different feeling or, um, yeah, just doesn't do it justice in general. Like he he left you, even with just a small amount that maybe he did and not covering the whole book, I walked away feeling like, man, this is, I'm stepping into something massive. Right. And he created a world. That's yeah. it. Creates a whole world. I mean, it, he just done that with a lot of his. Uh, this is one of my favorite directors. And it wasn't confusing. Yeah, and it wasn't. Uh, yeah, there's actually you could probably praise him a lot just for that because <laughs> right. the book is like another language. Right. Words you don't know. You don't even know how they're pronounced. There's some of the words that um, people would say in like names and stuff in the movie, and I was like, oh, that's how you pronounce that. <laughs> I had no idea. Couldn't uh, tell. That happened to me with Harry Potter. Corrected yeah, a lot of Hermione Potter. became pronounced correctly for me. I won't even tell you what it was. But yeah, when I heard him say Harry, I was like, oh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, but I, Chelsea, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, what you guys just said, I I would encourage you to see this film. I, I, I mean, um, I'm going to let Chelsea talk a little bit more about Denis and his previous films. Um, but I think he really, he has a singular vision and he, he, you know, when you're watching one of his movies and I think this is his masterpiece is what I would say. It's like it, mm-hmm. this all coalesced and from the music, dude, mm-hmm. the music and sound production on its own was incredible, dude. It was insane. Incredible. Yeah. And that added so much to it. The visuals, the, the concept work that must've been mm-hmm. done in terms of creating these worlds. I mean, it, it's beautiful. It's actually just beautiful to watch like and mm-hmm. creepy in all the right ways and all those kind of things. But yeah. I mean, there was a lot of things about it. Like the, um, the ornithopters, the flying, yes. whatever that is. A lot of people agreed with, I thought this too, but I thought that is how I envisioned it yes. when I read it. And I was like, they just did an incredible job with details like that. And yeah. then the still suits were also super cool. Yes. I mean, the whole production, costumes, music, sound. In the theater, I will say there are moments where I was like, gosh, that's so loud. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just so, it's so over the top. 
But there's something magical about that that I think got lost in the last two years, being stuck at home and watching all the movies on HBO or yeah. or Disney Plus. Uh, that it was fun to experience That's again. Awesome. It was just like it was great. I recommend the theater so much for this movie. Um, but I mean, he yeah, he has a knack for addressing a lot of the same kind of issues that this the books and the movie address of like climate change and mm-hmm. politics and like underlying things and then just creating a whole world of of I don't know it's just like a magical kind of thing yeah where you're just like this is familiar but not and then it's very stylistically similar to what he's done Arrival was was the movie before that I just I thought he did an incredible job yeah yeah and Prisoners that was a good one too yeah and he did the Blade Runner with and the Blade Gosling. Runner has yeah. a similar like yeah. visual aspect yeah I think in terms of just the last comment on this, I don't know, unless um, I was going to ask you guys, but I think one thing just for people who maybe haven't read the books or haven't seen this movie is it actually, there's a depth to it. So yeah, there's like a brain candy element to some of like the fact that it's this epic blockbuster, but it's also, um, there's a depth to the kind of political side of it. And Mm -hmm. he's exploring empire and he's exploring politics and he's exploring the idea of we read we read a really great article on on this idea of the chosen one and so yeah i think there was just some really interesting points on that did any thoughts guys i think the chosen one theme so a, a lot of the history of the frank herbert book is that um what's his name george lucas was hugely inspired by so you kind of watch this movie going this is a lot like star wars but then the truth is Star Wars is a lot like Frank Herbert's book because it was a predecessor. Yeah. But um, I, I think for me what was interesting is the mother-son dynamic, which I think he kind of upplayed from the book. Right. And then the um, the chosen one idea is, um, you know, it, you could say it's kind of tired. It's like it's been done a lot. Right. Like Harry Potter and Luke Skywalker and all Matrix, of those elements. Matrix, a million. Matri- yeah. I mean, pretty much every sci-fi ever. Yeah. Um, but there's also something interesting about, I, I think the scene where, um, I don't think this is a spoiler, but I mean, cause from the get go, you know, he's special, you right, know, Paul right. is special right. and he's obviously the center of the movie, Timothy Chalamet's character. And, um, he has a moment where he's like, has this nightmare and his mom is there played by, um, Rebecca Ferguson. And, uh, and he's just like, I, who does a great job. Gosh, she was incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the acting is, was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but he he's like, I just imagine like wars being done in my name and he's so distraught. And I thought that was such an interesting um, divergence mm-hmm. from a normal chosen mm-hmm. one where they're kind of like, I mean, I guess Harry Potter did that a little bit. I don't know. I mean, but, it's but, not, he's not you know just a reluctant hero. I think it's more than that. I think he, you know, you have the reluctant hero aspect, um, but he's, he's torn up about it. He's, he's like torn, really upset yeah, yeah. to be the thing that he is yes. like and and really wrestling with it and like mad at his mom because it's kind of her fault i won't go into that but yeah uh he wrestles with the idea of death and having to kill people and i think in a lot yes. of these hero stories they just gloss over the fact that like hey like um you know when you destroy the death star there's probably like a million people who die and they're <laughs> just doing I mean? their job yeah yeah and so I, you know, I think there's something interesting about that. I will say I also thought the dynamics were really interesting. You know, there were some themes that I think you could highlight that were Christian. His dad looks at him, basically, Paul's main character, Oscar Isaac, who I love, is an amazing actor, plays mm-hmm. his dad, who's like the head of of this family. And um, Paul is kind of rejecting or wanting, this is very early in the movie, this is not a spoiler, but he's kind of rejecting the... Uh, idea that one day he'll be the head of this family and Timothy Chalamet's character is and his dad looks at him and he says hey even if you reject this you'll still Mm. be all that I've ever wanted you to be my son I teared up yeah I teared up too I thought even that's rare in a movie these Mm -hmm. days um that's rare in a chosen one story. Mm-hmm. It's more like usually like, no, you need to accomplish your destiny. Look at Obi-Wan calling You don't Luke. have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. You have to do this thing. And this was more like, hey, all you ever need to be is my son. And I thought, dude, that that's what Jesus says to his sons and daughters. You know, That's yeah. what God says to us. I'm adopting you as my son. Uh, that's all you ever have to be. I love you, you mm-hmm. know? And I thought that was really great. And it's more his mom in this case who is 
cultivating him for something more. And there's an interesting dynamic at play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. so even that, I think, has this gospel theme and 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 also this other, like, you need to come into your destiny theme. And yeah, it was it's rare to see that all play out in a single movie. And I yeah. thought that was great. Yeah, I thought there was there was something like this elevation of like the dignity of the person. Um, even like I say, I haven't finished the book, but at least in the movie, like I got this sense of like the the Fremen felt mm-hmm. like this kind of like of all the ranks of people you get introduced to, they're kind of at the bottom. They're in the desert, right? They got this one like spice thing, but then you know you get introduced to these suits they have to survive on the de- and on the desert, and it's like oh, you know, recycles the water in your body, so you don't lose. And it's like Oh, like they're actually like with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or even, um, yeah, just scenes in which he seems to be even a hero that um, is particularly interested. Like, like you said, like the the dream of his destiny, Mm -hmm. like kind of frightens him, and he's very like particular about the people involved and like uh, what what does this mean? You know, for our people, how is this going to affect? Uh, the people where we're going, like his uh, willingness even to submit and learn the ways of the the Fremen. I don't know, like it, yeah, it felt. Um, he felt very like imminent, mm-hmm. um, where as opposed to the right kind of like transcendent emperor, right. who's who's away. Yep, in this very yeah, to your like the Christian element of like this Messiah who comes close mm-hmm. and abides. Mm. Um, I don't know, that stuck out to me a lot. I love this conversation because I think it shows us how we can actually engage with movies, we can engage with culture in such a way that it can be, it can, you know, we're given this this mandate to like cultivate the mm. earth. And I don't think that just meant like, just means have babies and just means, you know, uh, uh, like grow vegetables or something, right? I think there is this um, cultural mm. mandate that's a part of it. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to not be in to not be of the world, right? But we are in the world, and what we get to do when we have this dialogue with culture, with cultural artifacts like movies or books yeah. or co- comedic specials, is we get to um, we get to enter the conversation in such a way that could it could possibly bring a piece of heaven down to earth, and that that imbues what we're talking about with with a different kind of significance. So thank you guys for having this conversation with me. Uh, I think it's been awesome. And I will just say um, that, uh, Chelsea, you were amazing, and I'd love you to come back anytime. And to Marcus, I look forward to doing this with you more. Thank you guys for listening to Culture Matters. One of the best ways you can help others find our show is to leave us a review. So... Please take a minute to rate us and say very nice things. Also, follow us on Instagram and support our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. See you next time.